Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block Ripping up fantasy stock Working around the clock Look at the view from the top Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah One in particular, I'm just a messenger Let me just pass on the rock uh. Browning, brunning, bruning Pronouncing ain't what he's doing What he's doing is not losing But infusing you with new things And there's Dennis the Bennett Yeah the man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, coach it in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? We are live here on Facebook and Twitter, everything else, as we're finally going to uh, pre start previewing everything. We've got about 16 weeks, I believe, until the NFL season kicks off. So we're going to start by previewing uh, two teams a week, probably, as we're going to book some guests here and there uh, to have on with us like we did last week. Uh, before we start with the NFC North, the top two teams in the NFC North, Matt and Dennis, how are your weekends? How are you guys doing today? You know, I, I'm i doing great. My wife hurt her back, and so I had to stay home today. Darn. Uh, but that's okay. You know, she shouldn't lift stuff. I keep telling her. I don't lift stuff. My back feels great. <laughs> I also uh, worked from home today, but mine was more of a result of either allergies or a combination of allergies and uh, a trip to Arby's. As I said earlier, nothing comes without a price. Yeah, uh, for those of you who've missed out, I've spent probably the last 35 minutes messing with my stuff here to get us to, to be able to get this to work. And uh, I just decided I'm never helping another podcast ever again because this stuff is very frustrating. Uh, but last year, me and Dennis did this. Uh, we, we went over, uh, I think we spent most of our episodes were like an hour and a half to two hours as we previewed a lot of the uh, the teams and go through different things. We're going to try and limit it to two a, a week this year year just to kind of give you guys as much information as possible on the two teams we're not going to pick uh what would it be not necessarily schedules what's the word i'm thinking of uh standings we're not going to do our standings just that we'll save that for right toward the end of the season but we're just going to kind of go over the teams we're going to start 
with the Green Bay Packers, who finished last year 13-3 and and kind of got their asses handed to them by the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Fantasy finishes for last year. Aaron Rodgers finished his QB 11 with 270.3 points. Aaron Jones, RB2, with 276. Jamal Williams, RB33, with 126.8. Devontae Adams, wide receiver, 27, with 152.4 points. He did miss four games uh, and finished eighth in points per game with an average point of – Oh, I didn't get the average points, but if he would have continued on about his average point, would have finished fifth if he had played every single game. And then Alan Lazard, who kind of came on at the end there, wide receiver 77 with 70.4 points. He finished fourth on the depth chart uh, for about five of the 16 games before he really kind of got going. So moving on to the new additions, Jordan Love, Devin Funches, and A.J. Dillon. We'll start there. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Jordan Love, so I don't know if there's really anything you guys want to add on to him. We did a lot of talk about him with the NFL draft, but what do you guys think about Devin Funches coming over here? I I have never been a big fan of his, but do either one of you see him having any fantasy value here in this uh, wide receiver room with really Devontae Adams and Alan Rizard really being the only two guys that have separated themselves on this offense? Well, I think Devin Funches coming to Green Bay takes all of the worst qualities of the Green Bay wide receiver room and puts them in one player. He's big, he's slow, he lumbers, he has questionable hands. So, you know, I'm not expecting a ton. He's been injured, what, the last two years? Yeah. Uh, I, I've been looking at that uh, Green Bay depth chart, and I think if I'm going to put my money on somebody stepping up and being the number two, I'm going to go with Marquez Valdez-Gantling. The third year in a row, huh? I, you know, that shit. I, I can't quit you. Hey, it isn't about receivers break out in year three, so maybe That's right. third time's the charm here. I mean, he's say. fast. He's what? He's 6'4", 215, runs a 4'3", or something like that. He's got decent hands. I got to believe by now he's developing – a better rapport with Rodgers. You know, Allison they, tends to be the guy a lot of people want to focus on. But I think that it's just a function of Rodgers takes time to develop con- consistent chemistry with wide receivers. And so I, I think now uh, it's time for MVS. He's, he had, he's had some good games. He's flashed. I think now it's time for him to put it all together. So, I mean, I think Funches is worth a late-round flyer simply because there there is no established second receiver. I know people want to be hot on Alan Lazard. I think that might have been more of a product of nobody being there. MVS, we saw him have some good games uh, when he was out there. Uh, Crew Morale still there. He's had a couple of plays. I actually... I'm sort of of the opinion that with Adams there and uh, Jones probably figures to get quite a bit of uh, receiving work and the fact that their coach seems committed to the idea that they're going to throw 10 to 15 times a game, Yeah, that you're going to have spots where a second receiver in Green Bay goes off. I mean, we've seen MVS. He can only catch two passes and have it be 85 yards and two touchdowns. And for fantasy, it was great, but there's no chance in the world you would have felt great starting him 
I think when you're hitting bye weeks or injuries or desperation, there's going to be one or two of these guys that you might throw in, and occasionally you're going to strike gold. But I think the idea that we're going to see somebody consistently emerge, that, you know, Funches was supposed to have that same kind of great opportunity as a reason people were hopeful when he went to Indianapolis and he had an okay game and then got injured and was out. I think we've seen with these green Bay receivers the last couple of years, injuries knock them out from time to time and you just don't know who to count on. So unless, you know, somebody breaks out, I I don't know that you're ever going to feel great starting anyone besides Adams. Well, I think one of the things with us is a lot of us are playing in really deep leagues so yeah. if you're starting three running backs, three or four wide receivers, two or three or four flexes, I guess that's where my love for MVS comes at. When I'm when I'm looking at starting 11 offensive players or 12 offensive players, you're starting the Trent Taylors, the Hunter Renfros, the MVSs uh, and and at that point it's hard to find a floor uh, you get some of it with guys like Renfro, but you also want to find a ceiling guy, and I think that's that's MVS. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could make that case with Lazard too. Yeah. I, I mean, I he's just not as fast. With Green Bay, you just you don't know. Anytime you pin your hopes on somebody, yeah. I mean, I kind of. I'm afraid to pin my hopes on Adams this year, as good as he's been the past couple of years. Uh, as I mentioned, A.J. Dillon was another big new addition. We're going to save a discussion for him as, as we'll talk about him a little bit later. So expiring contracts or players that they have lost, they haven't lost anybody of major value. They lost their – someone on their offensive line that I cannot remember now. Uh, was it, it wasn't Bakhtar. Belaga. It was Balaga. Brian Balaga. Uh, but after this season, they will li- or have expiring contracts. We don't know if they will exactly lose these people, but you've got David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, Devin Funches, who just signed the one-year deal, and then Alan Lazard and Aaron Jones' contracts will be up. So that's where the A.J. Dillon will come here in here in a minute. Moving into the second year in this new Green Bay offense, do we expect more from Rodgers and Adams? Matt, I know you kind of mentioned a, a rumor going on here with a lot of talk that they may be wanting to move heavily toward the run and only throwing the ball 10 to 15 times a game. If they do do that, if that's the way that Matt LaFleur wants to you go. What do, you, yeah. what, uh, what do you expect? Well, that plan is doo-doo. Yeah, it is. I agree. What what do you expect? Uh, what do you expect from Rodgers and Adams if they do more move to? My goodness, I cannot talk. Move toward well, a more run-heavy offense. Shit. Well, that's, that's why I think – Adams might be the only guy you're starting with confidence. I've seen a lot of people, you know, he could be a wide receiver one. We obviously saw he might have been wide receiver five. He could have stayed healthy. So that's always uh, kind of a question. He seems like he's done pretty well. Um, You know, you asked a question about trade value, I think, with Adams. For me, I think based on his opportunity and stuff here, I would be holding on to him, hoping that he does get into that top five and then potentially move on from him after this season, I still think he's going to be in line for a great season. The fact that they haven't done anything else with their receivers, he's going to have to throw to someone. And Adams seemed to thrive even when he was in there with not having much opposite him last year. So the argument that that's going to hurt him 
but I definitely think Green Bay, the coach is serious about wanting to follow that model. We all thought they were going to take a receiver or make some kind of a move for receiver. They let Jimmy Graham go. Not that he was incredible, but they don't have a ton behind him. You know, hopefully Jay Sternberger takes a step up. I like him. I have him in some deep leagues as a stash, but I think the idea that a second year tight end is going to just explode is, you know, is a little bit of as, as much of a long shot as hoping that MVS or Alan Lazard becomes a top, you know, like a wide receiver three. So I, I think the fact that they didn't invest anything hardly in the passing game is suggestive of the fact that they are comfortable playing tight, close games. Yeah, I think part of the challenge comes, so the Packers had six players with between 45 and 68 targets. And and so I'm, I'm banking on there being some consolidation on Marquez Valdez-Gantling. You know, Graham was third with 60 targets. I, I, I I don't know if Aaron Jones is going to keep going. I I want him to. He had 68 targets last year. Are are they going to continue to run that offense like they do? Uh, I think they should. I think Jones has shown that he's earned that that right. But yet, I just think he's the only. Well, they kept solid weapon besides. Sure, he was. He was, and but they continued to bring in. Jamal Williams for 107 carries. That didn't yeah. seem to stop him. And 45 targets for Jamal Williams. And see so, that when we talk about A.J. Dillon is where I think it gets a little bit interesting. If we think that A.J. Dillon supplants Jamal Williams, the area, you know, if you look at Williams, he got a lot of his points in the receiving game too, which we none of us really think is is probably a strength or something that they're going to do with Dylan. So if Dylan comes in to be a grinder, that might mean even more targets out of the backfield are going to Aaron Jones. All right. So what about, uh, you just mentioned uh, Graham getting uh, let go, moving on. Do anybody, does do any of you guys have any faith in Jay Sternberger? I, I was a guy I was really high on last year coming out as a tight end. One of the tight, I think I had him tight end three if I remember incorrectly, last year in the draft. Obviously, Graham moves on. Dennis, you just mentioned he got 60 targets last year, 60 catches, whatever that was. So, obviously, they went to him a a decent amount. I mean, not a great amount, but they went to him 60 times. Jay Sternberger definitely has a little bit more athleticism than Jimmy Graham for fantasy, or is anybody taking a shot on him, or is it one of those things you've got to wait and see? I I think you're waiting on Sternberger. you know they still have Mercedes Lewis there. Uh, didn't didn't they? Oh, they drafted uh, Degora, who I guess they're going to run at H back. Um, it, it's it's just a situation where how much really are they going to go to the tight end? Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, Graham had 60, uh, 60 targets last season. But if it takes Rodgers how many years to develop a chemistry with a player, uh, I, I think it, it might be uh, a bump in targets for guys like um, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan, who've been there for three years or so. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of ends up you, – you have a really flat target distribution amongst the tight ends, almost making none of them really viable this year. Yeah, that's kind of my – I mean, we've made comments before – uh, whenever they've talked about high-profile free agents potentially going to Green Bay at the tight end position, that it just doesn't seem like a position that Aaron Rodgers has ever elevated uh, in his time. So I, I, I like Sternberger. He showed some flashes. I think he'll he's going to be a decent prospect, but I think if you're expecting high or consistent production, that's not likely. So what do you guys think about Aaron Jones? Can he maintain his value from last year? He finished, as I mentioned earlier, RB2 on the season. We've just mentioned multiple times that LaFleur has come out and said he wants to be more run heavy. What are you guys thinking for Aaron Jones? Is this another huge year? Does he have a – I'm going to link both these questions together, actually. Does he have such a big year that they decide to keep him? Or is this one of those things where you think they're going to run the wheels off him and A.J. Dillon is the future? As I mentioned, his contract is up this year. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round, I believe, in the draft, or maybe the yeah, third round. The he's got round. pretty good – yeah, he's got good draft capital for – and I don't. I personally am not a big fan of Jamal Williams. I think he's an okay back. I don't think he's any kind of workhorse. I imagine that's why they drafted A.J. Dillon. But what do you guys think on Aaron Jones and his possible upcoming 2020 season? You can start, Matt. Well, I think the big thing is, even if Aaron Jones has a good season in terms of yardage and receptions, his what propped him up to be RB2 last year in some scoring is that he scored 19 touchdowns. That we have seen consistently is hard to maintain year over year. So even if Aaron Jones, let's say he runs for 1,100 yards, which is slightly over what he had this year and catches 500 yards worth of passes and, and, and does all that, if he only gets 10 touchdowns, he's going to regress back quite a bit because that's a huge chunk of scoring. And I, I think projecting him to get 16 rushing touchdowns and three receiving touchdowns, again, is a little bit high. The question of whether he stays long-term with all these running backs, it seems to be what they're willing to settle for and what what their team, you know, he might be in a better shape if that if Green Bay and their coach is really committed to wanting to run the ball. Um you know, I think that might give him a better shot if he can duplicate some of his uh, efficiency and performances this year. That gives him a better shot. But Jamal Williams isn't probably the guy, and he's his contract's got to be up at the end of this year too because Jones and Williams came in in the same draft together. So we'll be curious to see what Dylan does. I don't know how – do you think Dylan can be the guy? I don't. Um, I think Dylan will – well, let me put it this way. I think Dylan will be the next guy. I don't think he's going to have a tremendous amount of success. Uh, I feel like the challenge in the NFL is that if you're a running back, nobody wants to give you that second contract unless you're crazy like Jerry Jones or you're just so far – above everybody else like Christian McCaffrey or you get the value like Eckler right well but yeah so to me that doesn't count because I feel like that was such a low dollar contract compared to like Zeke Elliott or 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 Christian McCaffrey it was an all right contract I think what it was was Eckler said 
what do I really want to accomplish here? This is going to set me up pretty well. And looking at the landscape, uh, I know he, he recognizes the gap between him and CMC or him and Zeke and was willing to you know, take a hometown discount. Well, and that's uh, why I think if Aaron Jones, I, I would not look at Aaron Jones personally in that upper echelon that you mentioned. So if he sees him, if he's willing to do something similar, I think could be a fit with Green Bay. That's kind of where I was going with the contract. Oh yeah, I I definitely think if he's willing to take that, you know, five million instead of push for that fifteen million, uh, but a lot of times these guys and their egos and and their agents and, and they're unable to do it. Uh, I think that the Packers look at it and they think they have a bruiser in AJ Dillon that they can put in there and they can platoon him with Jamal Williams who had forty five targets last year. And, and Williams can be productive on 70 targets as a receiver. I think that's what the Packers are thinking. So I don't think Jones comes back next year um, unless he backs it up. I could see this year Jones going out and the Packers saying, look, thanks for all you've done, but we're inside the five. And so we're going to give it to the six foot one, 250 pound guy. Well, if you've watched any of the the uh, film nerds, uh, you've noticed that Dylan doesn't have a ton of power. He may be big, but he's not really powerful. And I could see Jones go at Dylan failing a couple times to convert, and then Lafleur going, "Well, you know, let's just let's let's keep Jones in there. Let's just see what happens." And Jones punching it in because he's a lot more compact. He's a lot quicker. So he can get he he gets in the end zone like that. He has a history of that, uh, and I can see his value rising like that and making maybe making the Packers go. You know, if we kept him around at this price point, it might be worth it. And maybe Jones looks at it and thinks it's worth it to stay. So say that Jones does all that, then are you? Do you think there's any chance that they re-sign him? Do you think they just let him go, knowing that they drafted AJ Dillon in the second round this year? I think, you know, it's, it's the the question is really. Here's what I think: all teams want the best players for the right price, right? You know, they're going to go out there and they're they're going to put a number on. Here's what we're willing to pay you. Aaron Jones is the one who has to say yes. And he could he could end up like Austin Eckler, or he could end up like Melvin Gordon. And see, that's where I think if jo- if Jones really wants to solidify the contract and really solidify his value, I think he needs to be more consistent as pr- producing as a receiver. Because we saw those games where he was going strong as a receiver, in addition to being a rusher, that just made him so invaluable he didn't come off the field. And I think that's the dimension that he can give you over the other two guys in that backfield. And to me, that's going to be sort of the question. I think we would almost all three of us have to feel that he's going to regress in terms of touchdowns because getting 19 touchdowns in a season is, and that's a lot of what inflated some of his stats. He had a couple of games where he had four touchdowns apiece. That's just, you know, not sustainable. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's hope it is, though. I've got him in a few spots. I mean, I've got him in a few <laughs> spots, too. But that's what I said. He could have a good season, and if he only gets half as many touchdowns, you're going to be looking at, like, uh... He's still probably, what, probably top seven, eight? I, I would think he's yeah. still finished ten, even with half those those touchdowns. So maybe not two, but he definitely finishes in the top ten for sure. All right, so let's talk about Adams now. He's obviously the guy that we all love in this offense. He's he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. He is he will be 28 this year and has two years left on his contract. Obviously, we have not seen Green Bay ever really re-sign one of their top wide receivers. They also don't like to draft these guys very high either. So what are your guys' thoughts on Adams? Is it possibly time to sell high? You guys just want to keep riding with him, knowing he's got probably two more years with Rodgers, and then maybe he goes to a good offense if he becomes a free agent. What are your guys' thoughts on Adams for the 2020 season and moving forward? Well, for, for me, I, I I struggle with how good Rodgers has really been. And if he continues on the trajectory he is, I don't know how good that is for Adams. So if I have Adams, I might be looking to try and get value. Um, sometimes you just have to be willing to to move on from a player. But at 27, 28 years old, he, he should theoretically be entering his, his peak. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I said this a little bit earlier. I I think he's in a good situation. We, we have seen him still consistently – uh, be valuable even in those playoff games where the team wasn't doing great. Adams was was still putting up good numbers. I personally, uh, the way I'm looking at it, I'm banking on one season more. I, I think if the Packers are going to make a run with Rodgers, it's still going to be probably right here. And if they don't, you know, after here, after this season with Jones potentially being a free agent, Adams potentially being in a contract year, having already taken Jordan Love, they may look to see what they're going to do. But I think they're going to make one last run. And if you can get Adams to be up in that top five, again, you can flip him for a lot more next offseason. Yeah. Well, do you guys think he has a chance to finish top five? Like I said, he obviously he missed uh, – what was it here? Let me pull it back up. Uh, so he missed four games last year. He had one bad game. I think that was the game that he ended up getting hurt in. Uh, but he missed the four games, but he was eighth in points per game. And if you average those points out, he would have finished fifth overall. So what are you thinking? Are, are, are we expecting a return to elite? I mean, he was a guy, what, coming into last year, he was in the argument with Hopkins as being the 1-1 drafted at wide receiver with everybody. It was either Adams or Hopkins, or he, if everybody went Hopkins, Adams was two. Where are you expecting him to get drafted now? I mean, I do have his ADP listed here, so and it's not much further down. Uh, than that, but I think obviously uh, Thomas is probably ahead of him. Is and who else would you take ahead of him right now? God, what? Actually, I mean, let's don't answer Don't answer. I was going to say is Adams got 127 targets in 12 games last year. Yeah, and yeah. as we just discussed, I don't think his target share is going to drop. So. Uh, you know, and he's he's obviously been much more efficient. I was actually looking at the the targets that you know when we were looking at Lazard and MSV, and it looks like the difference between them last year was MSV only caught forty seven percent of his targets. He had fifty six. He was their second most targeted wide receiver. Um, 
you know, and so I I would think if even if Adams only got 130 targets over 16 games, we've seen what he can what he can do with that. I I see no reason to drop him off, and I it's almost like it almost feels a little bit to me like the arguments you would make for DeAndre Hopkins when he was with the Texans. Uh, you know, you couldn't really count on Will Fuller. You didn't know what else was there. As Dennis said, their tight end is a great number two, you know, in Fells. So, you know, you knew he was just going to get a ton of targets. And that's that kind of volume is what you're what helps with good talent is what helps make somebody a good bet. Yeah, that target pace that Adams was on last year was for 170 targets. And so that that's an elite level production. I don't think that that's gonna. I, he might not get 170, but I could see 155. So being around 100 catches and 1,200 yards, I, I think that's sort of where Adams comes in. And I don't think that really takes much away from uh, the other guys. I think they're gonna. Like I said, I, I feel like it'll consolidate a little more, uh, especially because the tight end position is going to be as weak. So unless one of these guys breaks out, but maybe Mercedes Lewis does have a uh, Daniel Fells breakout at 35 years old or 36 years old. Um, But I I don't think so. So I think it's going to end up coming down to Adams, uh, MVS, Alice uh, Lazard, that's the guy I'm looking for. So I, I think those are going to be the top three receivers on that team. Uh, and Aaron Jones, I think that's where your top four targets are going to come from. You heard it here first, guys. Dennis is predicting that the Packers have Sternberger and Benjamin Button at their tight end room. <laughs> All right, so let's do some over-unders for the, for the 2020 season here, assuming we have a 2020 season. It does seem like all signs are Don't pointing to that. things. Uh, trust me, I, I don't. I, I don't know what I'll do this fall if there's no football. Uh, so Rogers finishes QB eleven last year. Over or under for the 2020 season. I'll start with you, Matt. I'm gonna say so. It's over in the top ten and under is less yeah. than eleven. Yeah, so like twelve yeah, and so twelve or, or ten. Yeah, I'm gonna say under. Under? How far under? Because 12 is technically uh, still considered elite for fantasy, right? So we yeah, talking out I, I think that I think that 11, 12 range is probably makes sense okay. again, given what given the dearth of options that he has as far as weapons and what their philosophy seems to be. That's probably a good range for him. Well, here's what we think we know. We think we know that Lamar and Mahomes, Prescott, Wilson, Watson, and probably Murray are going to finish ahead of him. So yeah. that's six. Those, I, I think, I think those six, we look at it and we say, we feel pretty good about that. Then you've got what's going to happen in Tampa with Tom Brady and, and those wideouts. I could, I could see Brady finishing ahead. Uh, is Josh Allen going to run the ball enough? to put him ahead. I'm going to say, well, I mean, he was QB six last year. Yeah. If I, I don't know that I'd, I'd be betting on uh, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz. 
I think I I think I might take Wentz over uh, Rodgers. So now I'm right there at about ten. Matt Ryan, am I going to pick him? Is there going to be a bounce back from Jared Goff? You're still Maybe. forgetting Baker, by the way. Baker. Oh, I I just haven't got to him yet. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I do th- quarterbacks. Drew Lock. I, I do think I do think Baker has the opportunity to finish. So if I have to say if if he's going to finish worse than eleven or better than eleven, I I'm going to say worse. Okay. All right. But before I, you publish this, I got to go out and see if I can trade him away, though. <laughs> well, it'll be um, nice. This went out Everybody live, friend. It's it's on yeah. there right now. Uh, Son of a time. gun. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't worry about that. The podcasting audience, they'll get this later tonight. Uh, I am going to agree with you guys. I don't think he falls much below 11, but I don't think he finishes top 11. I think he's going to finish in that 12 to 15 range. Could still be a good year for him, but I am worried about how much they want to run the ball. So right now, his current ADP is 134. He is being drafted as the 13th quarterback in startups. All uh, To attack of Iowa, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow are all going over him. Would you take him over any of those three? Those are like the, the – I'm going next three. The first three drafted ahead of him and next three drafted behind him, and that's all we'll figure out. So would you take him over to a Baker or Burrow moving forward in a dynasty startup? So that's the 11th round. Yeah. And is it, is it one quarterback or is it super flex? These are, these are just one quarterback dynasty startup rankings. So – for I me, look, I can look super flex really quick, but that's I'm pretty I, sure it's one quarterback. I'm I'm probably taking the young guys pretty comfortably over over him. What about you, Matt? I take him over Burrow. Okay, not not over the other two. Interesting. That's that's very. Interesting. I just don't believe in Cincinnati. I, I think Burrow is a fine young man. I think Cincinnati is a garbage franchise. <laughs> I mean, you see all that Star Wars stuff Burrow has in his bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't. Mike Brown's still there, right? So he is. But yes, Katie Blackburn's running the show, though. I, I'm not huge on their coach, or uh, I, I guess I just don't trust Cincinnati. So what did he, he had? Uh, what was it? He had lunch with uh, Sean McVay, though. Man, come on now. I mean, anyone who's remotely sniffed Sean's jockstrap in the in the laundry room is getting a job. That doesn't. It's not true. Not true. I broke in and did it, and I'm still doing this podcast, Matt. So I should have waited for you to drink that water before I said that. Huh? Uh, the, next, the three uh, quarterbacks oh, going start. after him are uh, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, and Jared Goff. So would you take any of those three ahead of him? No. I think I would probably take Stafford, and that could be because of my Lions fandom. I like uh, Stafford. I just don't. Sometimes I wonder if Detroit's committed to him. And uh, Ryan, the only thing that holds me back from Ryan is that he doesn't really run, and he's the same age. So don't say that, don't I. Say I probably would take Rodgers just because he'll occasionally take off and and run it in a a little bit more than Ryan. But I think they're pretty even. My only – so my question, my hesitation, first of all, Goff, not even in the discussion. Sorry. Sorry, buddy. Not even worthy consideration. I like Stafford. 
I have some questions about Detroit. My hesitation with Matt Ryan is this is like the third year in a row we're going in with their coach on thin ice, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I think they're far from a lock for making the playoffs, let alone having a deep run, and there's every possibility that they blow that franchise up next offseason. I I will go Stafford, actually. I I like I like Stafford. I like the offense. I love them adding Swift on there. If that offensive line can play a little bit better. I know Bevel loves to run the ball. That also opens up hopefully some play action passes. If Marvin Jones can stay healthy, you got Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Quintez Cephas on the outside with hopefully a healthy Hawkinson. Swift who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, I, I think Detroit's probably going to be in, in more shootouts than Green Bay because I like Green Bay's defense a little bit more. So I'll take Stafford having that that bounce back season. The health does worry me a little bit. Obviously, with the back, you can't trust backs. Uh, but I, I, I would take Stafford over him just for shits and giggles at this point. Aaron Jones, RB5, I feel like we're all probably going under on this one. Would you guys agree with that? Anybody taking him over RB5s? No, I think um, the touchdowns alone will drop him. Cause I think if you looked at his yardage receptions and everything, he would have been more in that RB six to eight range if it wasn't for 19 touchdowns. And that to I me mean, just does I, not feel repeatable. I'll say this. If he's RB one next year, I won't be the least bit surprised. I think he'll be below that. I think he'll be below top five, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if they want to run the ball more because he is so dynamic, if they gave him 250 carries and still gave him the 60 targets or so, he, he could rack up the t- touchdown still. And if he's popping off four and a half yards of carry, breaking some big runs here and there, I, I don't expect that to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if at the end of the season, we're looking at, you know, 14 or 1500 yards, you know, 16 or 18 touchdowns, 45, 50, 55 pass receptions from Aaron Jones. And if they end up pounding it the same on the ground and he ends up just being head and shoulders above the other backs, he he could end up getting to 20 touchdowns again, in which case he vaults right back up there. Just for me, I think if he drops to a more 10, 12 touchdown range, that puts him just slightly out of the top five. I mean, I also wouldn't be surprised if he turned in 750 yards and 25 catches because, hey, NFL no. coaches. Yeah. Now, now you've gone too far. <laughs> His ADP right now is 23.3. He's being drafted as the 12th running back. So Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry, and Jonathan Taylor are the first three being drafted ahead of him. Would you take him over any of those three, or would you still take those three over him? Dynasty or redraft? This is Dynasty Startups. I'm not taking Henry over him. I agree. That was the only one that stood out to me. I'm still taking Sanders and Taylor, yes. but I'd take him over Henry. Henry is in a precarious situation because it seems like both sides are happy to let him play on the franchise tag, which means yeah. you don't. And while he was cons- more consistent last year, that's the first time. Yeah, just been. Trust me, December. we remember. <laughs> Unfortunately, so, yeah, I I wouldn't take Henry over him either. All right, the next three being drafted under him: Leonard Fournette, Austin Eckler, and DeAndre Swift. I 
personally think I would take Eckler and Swift over him just because of what Eckler showed last year, and he has the contract. Uh, so you don't have to worry about him possibly not being with this team next year. And then obviously DeAndre Swift. I've, I've talked about how much I loved him now going to, to Detroit. I think he's going to be gangbusters there and having him on the, the rookie contract and a young stud. I like Swift. I think he's a better prospect overall than Aaron Jones. So I would probably take those two over Jones. Would you guys take anybody over him? Depends on my mood. Honestly, there are times when I when I'm sitting there and Leonard Fournette is there and I go, man, he had 70 catches last year. I don't think he's going to have those this year. And then I'm like, oh, but he's playing for a contract. You know, he's a bull in a china shop. He's got good speed. He can carry the ball. He's going to definitely, you know, on one end of the touchdown spectrum was Aaron Jones, and on the other end was Leonard frickin' Fournette. They're going to come together somehow. I, I don't think Fournette's going to come out of this year with only three touchdowns. I think he's going to have closer to, to Jones's 18, and Jones is going to have closer to Fournette's three. So they're going to, you know, if you give each of them 11 touchdowns or something. So I think the challenge being is they're both in the last year of their contract. And who do you believe is going to get a new contract with their same team? I think Jones probably gets the nod there because the Jacksonville Jaguars have come right out and put up billboards saying, we hate you. We hate you, Leonard Fournette. We don't, if we could get rid of you right now, we would, but it would cost us too much damn money. So, but there are times, man, where I go, I, I just gotta, I, I just gotta take him. Uh, and other times where I'm like, man, it's Jones all the way. Uh, who are the other two? I, you know, I'm not sold on Swift yet. I'm just not. I think I'm. I'd go Jones over Swift. But I always, I also always think I can win this year, and I think Jones is going to help me win this year much more than Swift will. I'm not suffering Leonard Fournitis, so uh, I'm going to say I wouldn't take him over. I would take Jones over all three of us. Okay. Uh, before we move on to the Adams question, we've got a comment question here. So Phil got an offer of a 12-team PPR, one QB. Give Alvin Kamara for Eckler and a 20, 2021 first and 20 uh, second round 12, 2.12. So what do you guys think about that? No. I don't think I'd do it. You know, uh, I I think I would. I think I'd take I'd take Eck because how how far apart are Eckler and Kamara really going to be? Maybe four or five spots in the in PPR standings would be my yeah. guess. Uh, upwards of you know you're probably fifteen to maybe at most thirty points. Would yeah. Be my so guess. so then you're looking at a, a unless uh, Kamara is substantially better than last year, where he said he was injured most of the year. and. and so you get the 212 this year, probably not a ton of help from that. But next year you're going to have a first round and you're you're so that's going to give you time. You've got Eckler on that contract. I don't know, it, it depends. So, here, so has has Kamara been healthy any year though? No. I was trying to pull up the rookie ADP really quick. So at 212, you are looking at 
in the range of A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Darrington Evans, Chase Claypool, K.J. Hamler, Anthony McFarlane, Lynn Bowden. Those are kind of the guys that are going right around that range. Possibly a LaVisca Chenault or two, a drop in there. I'd be fine with grabbing a guy like A.J. Dillon or Evans and, and having them there, as, as we talked about, uh, I think, last week, how much we bo- all three of us think Evans could have some serious fantasy value this year in that Tennessee offense. You get a 2021 first, which – Again, I feel like we say this every year, but the 2021 draft, I feel like, is going to be extremely loaded with a lot of really good wide receivers and running backs. That would be my hesitation. I I don't like to talk about because, as I just mentioned, but I think there is a more realistic possibility we have no college football season than that we have no professional football season, in which case I think there are several prospects that go into the supplemental draft and several more great prospects that stay in college for another year because they had no 2021 season, in which case it's possible that the 2021 NFL draft and fantasy draft is hot garbage. The only reason I may disagree with you on that is you're still going to have a ton of guys like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Chuba Hubbard, Max Borgie, who will still probably come out because they're but still they, going to be great. They will great probably guys. come. Several of those guys will probably go into the supplemental draft, which the NFL is going to run in August they will know by then that their college season is gone and they will let them right. come in, in which case your 2021 draft picks, they're not in that pool. Well, I don't think Bor- – like Borgie, Hubbard, Hubbard, Etienne, and Harris would be able to. I don't think Borgie would be able to because I don't think he's a senior yet, so he wouldn't have technically hit his three years uh, out of high school, the rule the NFL has. You have to be three years removed from high school, I think is what the rule is. So like Etienne, Harris, and Hubbard could do that. But then you're still not, you're not going to have uh, – who am I forgetting right now? Like Jamar Chase, I don't think Rondell Moore would be able to come out. So a supplemental draft wouldn't be as loaded. You would definitely miss out on the running backs that everybody's kind of, you know, I guess – I also think there's one. a decent possibility that those guys, all their eligibility will get extended, won't come out oh, yeah. because they didn't have a college season because they haven't played in a year and a half and they don't want to take I, – I think – you're gambling if you're relying on what you think 2021 can be until we get some more definitive information about the college football well, season, because that's where I've been, you know, people always trade back to the future. It could be a great draft or it could be a shit show. Yeah. All right, so well, the NFL though has, has come out and said that they don't expect the supplemental draft to be substantially different than any other year. So I feel like they're going to manage that. But they also are operating right now under the premise that everything's going to be going ahead in the fall. They refuse to acknowledge, at least publicly right now, that there's a possibility some of these sports could get wiped out. Well, I don't think college football is going to get wiped out. I mean, we already have the SEC coming out and saying they're playing regardless of what anybody else does. So I think we're going to get some version of college football. I just don't know what we're going to get. Like I could honestly see that a lot of the talk has been, they're going to be just mostly conference games. Like you see big 10 stick within the big 10 sec. Now that still means you're going to get all these players playing. They're still going to get a lot of game. We just may not see the games that we want to see. Like Ohio state was supposed to play Oregon this year. I think would have been a great game. May not get that now because of that. Oregon's already come out and said they're not. They're planning on playing, but there's not going to be any fans in the stands. I think that's what we're going to get from the college football season. I do think it's going to be 
I don't think it's going to be what we've, we've seen in the past, but I think there's going to be some form. There's just it, that's going to cost those universities so much money. I think they're going to figure out a way to make it happen, but I do agree with you. So Phil, it sounds like Matt is a no on the trade. Me and Dennis are a yes. I, I would do it because I don't think there's as big a gap between Eckler and Kamara and getting those picks back. Even if there isn't a huge draft in 2021, you'll, I would assume have two, you'll have yours and whichever one you're getting, someone will bite on being able to trade two first round picks for still a probably really good uh, running back or wide receiver if you want it. So I would do it because you're getting a little bit more pick value. And I don't think the gap between Kamara and Eckler is that big. Adams, Devontae Adams finishes wide receiver. Oh, I'm sorry. I boosted this up a little bit. Finishes wide receiver 27, uh, would have been wide receiver five. So wide receiver 10 in 2020, over or under? I'll start with you, Matt. Yeah, I got it right that time. There we go. Uh, I think he'll finish better than that. But I said Matt, not Dennis. Matt. But he answered. I did. I said over. Oh, dude, you froze on my screen. You didn't say anything. I, I agree. Over. I think he's going to finish right around wide receiver five. Uh, his Dennis eight, heard me at least. Uh, I don't know. My, everything is messed up for me right now. This is not fun. Like I've been I've been messaging Bark this entire time trying to figure out what's going on because I have a feeling that this is not going to sound good when I try and upload it for the podcast audience. Everything being messed up is the default state for the Minnesota Vikings, so it's good that we're doing them next. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> great, almost great segue. If you could have saved that till after the Lazard thing, that'd have been the perfect segue. Uh, so he is going as a wide receiver three right now with an ADP of nine. Thomas and Hopkins are the only ones going over him. I mean, the only one I could see an argument for is Hopkins. There's no way you're taking Adams over Thomas. And and, and Hopkins, I think, just because he's going to Arizona, uh, maybe you're a little bit worried. Obviously, a lot of his – he was a volume king in Houston. Maybe we don't get that in Arizona. You taking him over Hopkins or Thomas Dennis? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to – no, he'd be three. I'd still take Hopkins and Thomas over Devontae Adams. Matt? I would take Godwin over <laughs> Devontae we'll Adams. Stop skipping ahead. You're taking him over I would take, I would take him over. Yeah, I would take Adams over Hopkins. Okay. All right. I'm not, next- I think Arizona's going to be okay, but they have a lot of different yeah. pieces. I, I don't know that he'll get the reliable – 95% of the volume because Will Fuller's dead that he got in Houston. All right, so you can stop yelling in our private chat here about Godwin. I'll let you go first on this one. The three next wide receivers being drafted after him, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. Are you taking any of those over Devontae Adams? First of all, you know my personal opinion. I draft you over Tyreek Hill. So, Thank you. But I, I appreciate would, that. So I'm a first-round wide receiver. In your opinion, I, you haven't seen me catch yet. Just let me let me throw the highlight videos on for you, really quick. I've seen you with your kids, so that was all I needed. I would take Godwin over. Uh, I Godwin for me, I I just I still really like him. I still think he's going to have a monster season. I had him too. In fact, uh, after after our mock draft, I have started taking. Godwin with my first pick, except for where I was in the startup I just did, where I took Thomas. That's the only person I would take over Godwin. What about you, Dennis? Um, I still think that uh, I would take Adams, I think, over Hill, Godwin, and Evans. I think I would, too. I'm, I'm really expecting I mean, you. Godwin would be the only one that's in question for me. I mean, he's he's right there. He uh, yeah. To me, he's four. Or, or or threes, Hopkins and Thomas above him, Godwin Hill and Evans below him. 
Uh, unless somebody else comes out of the woodwork, uh, I, I think that's your top six. All right, last question on the Packers before we move on to Minnesota. Again, we're going to do record predictions once we get closer to the season in hopes that we're able to see some preseason stuff and everything. Alan Lazard, he, he seems to be everybody's sleeper and everybody's darling here. Uh, on this offense, I know Dennis, you you like uh, MVS in this one. But can Lazard step up and be wide receiver sixty? You going over or under? Under. Uh, let's see where did MVS finish last year? Let's see, get below right. him. Lazard was the next best. That's why I have him okay. on the list here. He was yeah. the next fantasy one. So. Because MVS just didn't catch as many of his targets. I, I'm saying, yeah, I mean, we got Lazard had that huge back half of the season. I think those last like four or five games, he really stepped up big. Don't forget Funches. We talked about Funches. Nobody's a fan here. Nobody. Yeah, I'm. I'd, I'd be curious to see though with uh, MVS how much you know were there accuracy issues with Roger Rogers because he was. Uh, feeling a lot of pressure. I know that line didn't, it seemed like they didn't play as well as they have in the past with Bakhtari coming off an injury and Balaga not playing as great. I think Lindsley missed some time in the middle. Yeah. Uh, And when you're trying to get, when you're trying to get the ball downfield where MVS does a lot of his work, uh, that pressure can really affect that. Uh, As far as Lazard finishing above 60 uh i'd i'd say yeah he can but i don't think he's going to finish much above it i think he will but i don't see him finishing much above it either interestingly enough devin funches is actually being drafted ahead of alan lazard in dynasty startups he is going as uh wide receiver 25 here i think that's just name recognition no way Wide receiver 87, I'm sorry, with an ADP of 218. And then Alan Lazard is going as wide receiver 97 with an ADP of 229, getting going right behind Antonio Brown and Ola B.C. Johnson. So, But, see, I mean, I think that's the real answer is nobody has any faith that one of those Green Bay Packers receivers is going to significantly distinguish themselves yeah. above the others behind Adams and their running backs. Well, yeah, it's always seemed to be Adams, and that's it, really. You know, for me, it comes down to, at some point, you have to take a shot on who's going to be the number two versus another team's number three or four. And so a a lot of times I'm willing to bet on Scandling or Lazard, whichever one I determine to be that number two uh, in Green Bay. When I look at, you know, what's happened with them at tight end, the growth of the team in general together. So to me, do, you know, do I want to, do I want to take, you know, Colin Johnson, who's likely to be Jacksonville's three or four, or yes. am I going to take MVS uh, Johnson? Red he's he, he's probably not uh, the the best example. Colin Johnson yeah. that is, but that was the first name that come to mind. Cause he's a stud. All right. Minnesota Vikings. They finished second in the NFC North last year, 10 and six. Made it to the Vision Series. We lost to the 49ers, right? I couldn't remember who they lost to. Who, who beat them? Uh, yes, they lost okay, to the 49ers in, the, in San Francisco. San Francisco so, took out both the Vikings and Packers in back-to-back weeks. 
Uh, so fantasy finishes the clutch gamer himself, Kirk Cousins, finishes QB 14 with 256.4 points. Dalvin Cook, RB3, with 20, 276 points. Alexander Madison, RB57, with 64.4 points. Adam Thielen, wide receiver 58, 99.4 points, missed six games. And then Kyle Rudolph, their best tight end, tight end 14 with 94.2 points. The new additions, Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, and Nate Stanley, all drafted in the uh, NFL draft this year. And they lost Stefan Diggs uh, to a trade with the Buffalo Bills. And then Cook will be an unrestricted free agent after this season. Cousins loses Diggs, but does add a dynamic threat in Jefferson. Can he make both Jefferson and Adam Thielen fantasy relevant? When I say fantasy relevant, I will say Jefferson being a low-end wide receiver to high-end wide receiver three. Dennis, what are your thoughts on possibly the best fantasy quarterback, Kirk Cousins, making two wide receivers fantasy relevant? Well, we know he can because we've seen it done. Um I think it's going to be challenging for him to do it with Thielen and Jefferson because you can't run both of them out of the same slot at the same time, and that's what both of them do. Uh, I think they'll move them. I know the the argument being made now isn't that, oh, well, one of them is going to have to move outside. Now the argument is, well, they run so much 12 personnel that there's only going to be two wide receivers. Well, then they're both on the outside where neither one of them do that well. Uh, and that becomes a, a challenge in and of itself. Uh, I, I, he's done it before, and I don't know, though, that Justin Jefferson is at the level of Stefan Diggs, and at what what is he now, 31, 32 years old, missed six games last year to an injury. You know, is, is Thielen starting to – is the beating starting to take its toll on him? Um, I'd probably, if I'm going to invest in that offense, I'm going to take my chances on Dalvin Cook, who's the most dynamic player in that offense, and, and risk his injury history. Adam Thielen, makes- 29, to answer your question. 29? Yes. 29. No, he plays he's like a, he's 33. He's a grizzled 29. <laughs> uh, I mean, can he? Sure. I mean, we saw – Cousins did that, I believe, in his first season with the Vikings. Both Diggs and Thielen uh, were in that were in that range and looked pretty good. Um, will he? You know, Thielen we've seen has struggled a little bit with injuries lately. He's not getting any younger. Obviously, going to be playing out of position. You're asking a lot of a rookie wide receiver. It seemed like last year they managed to get their two tight ends involved more, and they've shifted their focus of, of the offense. And with Gary Kubiak. Now, not in name, not shadow running the offense, but actually just outright running the offense. I think they're going to continue that uh, hard pressing commitment to the run. So, for me, it's possible, but I wouldn't bank on both those receivers being in the wide receiver two range. If Adam Thielen stays healthy, do you guys think he can return to being a top 10 wide receiver? I'll even extend it out to top 12. Can he be an elite wide receiver one for fantasy if he stays healthy for the entire 2020 season? I think, yes, he can. I don't know that it's likely, though. I think he's 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 more of a, a mid to high wide receiver two for me. 
I, I feel like he's going to get some opportunity, but they're going to use Irv Smith a lot more. They're going to try to figure out how to use Jefferson. And with Kubiak taking over that offense uh, in more than your quote-unquote shadow realm, uh, I feel like Dalvin Cook is just going to feast this year. Yeah, I think Thielen will be just outside the top ten. Um, you know, if he stays healthy, I think he still has a good season. But, we, you know, we also saw last year several times the Vikings being incredibly successful with Cousin throwing the ball like 12 times. So it seems like several of these NFC teams have kind of found a way that you don't have to throw to win. What do we think? What do we think Cooks needs to do to be re-signed or let's go after this season? Obviously, the biggest question mark we have on Cook is he's suffered through injuries his entire NFL career. Yet when he's been on the field, he has been one of the best running backs in the game. If he goes back out there and says has a you know, top five running back season again, like he did this year for fantasy and in the NFL. Again, he'll be an unrestricted free agent. Do we think there's a chance they bring him back, knowing he'll probably command a high contract? Or do they possibly go with this guy, Alexander Madison, who Phil wants to know if we should buy low on with him possibly being a guy who could take over if they let Cook go? What do you guys think? I think if Cook goes out this year and puts up another season like he did last year, that they, they'll they franchise tag him. That's why I think, too, that this is really going to be kind of the year where they see with Cook's obviously saw flashes in his first two years and he couldn't stay on the field last year, kind of put it together, played 14 games. If he can do that again, I think that they will make every effort to retain him. In terms of the Madison being a buy low, in my experience, he hasn't been that low. So uh, I guess it depends on how low you think you're getting him for. And yeah, well, and you would be doing it for this year, assuming that you have a guy that's really just holding on your bench as a as a possible lottery ticket. Uh, I've seen him go for second or third round rookie picks. That to me is not where I'm I'm going to bank on Madison. I may be a third, but I wouldn't give up a second form at all. All right, over-unders. Kirk Cousins, QB 19 in 2020. Over. Okay. Over means like 20, 21, 22? No, it means, no. means uh, like 19. 16, 17. Matt uh, thinks he's going to finish around what, QB 5? Is that what we're thinking here, Matt, for Kirk Cousins? How dare you. <laughs> um. The best ability is availability, and he he is Kirk always there. Yeah. the The thing that gives me pause is if Cook stays healthy. Um, I, I guess I'd like to I'd like to defer until I can go back and look at some of those Kubiak uh, no seasons turn. seasons with with other teams and other quarterbacks to see when they've well, had a healthy running well back. He did pretty well with Matt Job when they had Arian Foster. He had Terrell Davis with John Elway. Well, he, he did well with those. The the teams did well with those guys, but how did they do for how did the quarterbacks do for fantasy? That's really the question for me. Is Matt frozen on your screen too? Yeah, he's frozen on my screen too. So I thought I'd I thought smile. I'd take it over. At least, at, at least he froze with a great big smile on his face. Can you hear it still, Matt? Are you still there? Or are you just frozen? 
All right. Well, I'll take him off there for a minute. He seemed to be enjoying himself, though. He did. No, I, right. I, 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 again, my, my, the only thing I think that keeps him from finishing above 19 is if Dalvin Cook goes off and has the type of season that we think he can in a Mike, uh, uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, Mike, I don't know, whichever Shanahan it is, his offense. Uh, Let's see here. Um, what was I trying to do here? Okay, so his ADP is there. We go, and he's back. We were just talking about how much. Oh, we missed you. Happy. Apparently, my router died. No, I could hear you guys. I was talking uh, to you even after you said it froze. You saw how happy you were talking about Kirk Cousins, so I was going to leave you on there. You know, I didn't really want to kick you off, but uh, so his ADP is uh, one seventy three. He is. I don't know why I didn't put the thing he on here uh so the top the for top three going ahead of him are ryan Tannehill, sam darnold and jared goff are you taking any of those over kirk cousins i'm not taking Tannehill over him uh darnold i'd definitely take over him and it'd be a coin flip on goff i think mostly because of goff's age uh you know just being younger i i, I might be tempted to to take the shot there. Um, but Darnold's the only one that's a shoe in to go over him for so me. To, to answer your question with the Texans in 2012, as Gary Kubiak is the offensive coordinator, Arian Foster ran for 1,424 yards, 15 TDs. Matt Schaub threw for 4,008 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 12 INTs. Would have been a top 10 quarterback. All right. So which what what are you going here with? Uh, are you, you going to take any three of those over Cousins in a startup draft? There, Matt Tannehill, which, Darnold, or Goff? I would take Tar- Darnold. Yeah, he is the only one for me as well. The next uh, three below—that's with hope that Adam Gase finds himself or <laughs> makes himself scarce. Uh, the the next three behind him: Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin Herbert, and Drew Locke. Uh, I would take Herbert and Locke over him. I think both of them are. I think they both have a lot more upside than Kirk Cousins, so I would take both those over Locke. I would not take Garoppolo. What about you guys? Uh, easily those two. Yeah, I would take those two as well. All right, Dalvin Cook. He has an ADP of. I'm sorry, he, RB, let's go with RB. Well, I was trying to pull this up here. What did he finish his RB3 last year? So RB5, that's what he's being um, drafted as as well. We taking him uh, over under at RB5 for the 2020 season, assuming health. Uh, I'm going to take him uh, under that. I I took him at RB4 in a league, so I feel like that's, that's where he's likely to finish. So over, under, over, under. I think that means you're taking over. Yeah, over. Okay, Matt. And I am also. I will take over too. Although I think it's really a push. I I agree. I think it's a push. So that's why I'm going to go under. I actually think Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, or possibly even who is the other one I had on here. Though I think one of those two is going to jump him and go into the top five. Ah, shit! But Alvin Kamara is up there. Never mind. I'm gonna. I'm if gonna. If you're say- talking about somebody jumping him and beating him down, it's got to be Mixon, right? Well, I think Chubb has a chance to, but I also don't think Kamara finishes in the top five next season, so I have to change that and say over because then that moves Cook back up. All right, let's see here. 
His ADP is 7.5. The three going ahead of him, Zeke, Kamara, and Barkley. Would you take him over any of those guys? I just answered it with mine. I would take him over Kamara, but not over Barkley or Zeke. What about you, Matt? I would not. Dennis? I'd take him over Kamara, yeah. All right. The next three under him, Mixon, Chubb, and Jacobs. Dennis, would you take any of those over Cook? Uh, no, no. It's close um, with Mixon and Chubb, but no. Matt? It's, clo- it's close with Chubb for me, but no. I would take Chubb over him. This is why. As you should. But I would take Chubb over him. All Gotta right. stay on brain. Exactly. I mean, that, that's not a terrible you know, you oh, I agree. case for that. Chubb's going to lead the league in rushing next year. There's no doubt about it now. We got Jedrick Wills going to shore up that, that left side of the offensive line. Dynamic. Adam Thielen, wide receiver 15 next year, over or under? Oh, I'm sorry, wide receiver 12. That makes it more interesting. Over or under? Den, I'll start with, yeah, Dennis. I think he's going to be worse than 12, yeah. I think he's going to be a wide receiver too. Yeah, I'll go under. Under, as will I. He's being drafted as wide receiver 30 right now with an ADP of 62. Jarvis Landry, Tyler Lockett, and Michael Gallup are all going over him. Would you take him over any of those three? All wide receiver two, well... Landry and Gallup, wide receiver twos on their own three. Tyler Lockett, technically, I guess, the wide receiver one on Seattle. So would you take him over any of those three, Matt? No. Uh, Landry is definitely going to stay above him. Uh, Gallup, until the C.D. Lamb draft, I tended to be very heavily yes. Uh, But now I'm a little more questioning just because I think – well, Gallup is going to get plenty of targets. I do think they're going to get spread around a little more. And Lockett, I don't think, I think I'd take Thielen over Lockett. Uh, it'd be tough for me, but I just don't trust Lockett anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think Lockett's a low volume offense as well. Lockett, for me, I think is the only question mark. I think Landry and Gallup are still, as much as I hate, the CD Lamb thing, as we talked about with Gallup, I just I think in that offense, especially if unfortunately Dak continues to throw the ball a lot and look good, which just disappoints me. I think oh, Gallup is going to have. Somebody, I think somebody called a career Andy. year for Dak last year. Uh, did you? I don't remember. I wasn't sure that actually happened. I think I deleted that episode, so I don't know if that actually happened. Uh, drafted right after him, Robert Woods, his teammate Justin Jefferson, and Will Fuller. Would you take any of those guys over Adam Thielen? I'll start with you. I don't remember who I started with last time, so let's just go Matt. So I'm not taking Fuller. I probably would take Woods and Jefferson. Okay. Dennis? I'd definitely take Woods. Uh, Jefferson, it would uh, be dependent on how I've built my team up to that point. Yeah, see, that's the that's the interesting one for me. I might go Jefferson just because I think he's obviously the future of Minnesota. I I love Robert Woods, and he always seems to do so much better than everybody gives him credit for every year. And he's definitely going to be, I would say, the top option outside of Cooper Cup with the Rams next year, especially with Brandon Cooks moving on. Uh, but I, I think I'd still take Thielen over all of them right now if I was expecting to win this year. If if I'm looking for the future, I'm going Justin Jefferson. Uh, the only really question, it would be a coin flip for Woods and Thielen for me. I'll take Thielen just, I guess, for shits and giggles at this point. Kyle Rudolph finished at 
tight end 34 last year. Do we even expect him to be fantasy relevant this year? Yes. Okay, Dennis? Depends on what kind of league, I suppose. Uh, tight end I, premium, you start six of them. Yeah, then yeah. yeah. Um, I think in a two tight end league, he's definitely worth option uh, rostering uh, as your bye week fill-in. Um, you know, I, I feel like he's peaked. He's gonna have he's gonna have a couple weeks where he has thirty yards and a couple touchdowns. Uh, and when you look at his numbers at the end of the season, and then you average him out over the season, you go, "Oh, well, that's not so bad." But when you look at the uh, the Bob Lung consistency report, you're gonna go, "Oh, that wasn't good at all." <laughs> all right. Uh- Getting drafted right ahead of him, Adam Troutman, Greg Olson, Will Disley. I would take Troutman over oh, – I'm sorry, no, I wouldn't take him over any of those three. Would you guys take Rudolph over Troutman, Olson, or Disley? Probably over Olson. Yeah, I'd probably take him over Olson just because I he's got one foot out the door. And uh, if, if Olson goes – I mean, they, they're they deep at tight end now in uh, Seattle – to the point where I could see if, if Disley is healthy in training camp, I could see them cutting Olsen and going with Hollister and Disley. Uh, they drafted what Stephen Sullivan out of uh, Parkinson, uh, right? Ian Parkinson. Did they draft Colby Parkinson too? Because I know they drafted uh, Stephen Sullivan out of uh, LSU as well. Uh, let's see. What was I looking at? Oh, okay. So right after him, uh, Ryan Griffin, Bryson Hopkins, who was the rookie this year, and Jacob Hollister. I would take Griffin over him with the year he had last year with the Jets. He would be an easy. Except for Her- Herndon is coming back and is in. Is well, I mean, Herndon really seemed to be in the doghouse with Adam Gase. And once you get in the doghouse with Adam Gase, I don't think he ever lets you out. So I'm going to take Griffin. They gave him the new contract. He was definitely Darnold's go-to guy at the end of the season, so I would still take Griffin over over Rudolph. What about you guys? I'd, I'd probably go Griffin over Rudolph as well, but uh, I, I don't know about Hopkins or Hollister. If uh, if I knew that Olson was going to call it a day, I'd be tempted to go Hollister because I feel like he's started to as he's matured past his uh, injury-prone ways. Uh, he looks good when he's on the field. He makes plays. Um, but, uh, at this point he's likely third on the depth chart. So I'm probably going to pass. All right. And then last for Minnesota Vikings, Irv Smith, who everybody clearly thinks is going to be the future there. He is being drafted as the 14th tight end off the board. So let's put him at tight end 18 for fantasy next year over or under. Under. That means better than 18, right? That means worse than 18. Uh, than over, I, I, I feel like I feel like he's going to have a good. I feel like Irv Smith is going to get the treatment that we've been waiting for OJ Howard to get. I think he's going to get the actual OJ Howard treatment. Uh, he's getting his ADP is one fifteen. Going just ahead of him, Gasecki, OJ Howard, or Dallas Goddard. Would you take him over any of those three, Dennis? Uh... I would probably take him, uh, definitely take him over Howard. Um, and it'd be a coin flip for Goddard. Okay. 
Matt? I would probably take him over Howard, but definitely I agree. not over Goddard. He, he, yeah, it would just be Howard for me. I'd prefer Goddard. Uh, just behind him, Tyler Higby, Ian Thomas, and Jonu Smith. Would you take any of those three over Irv Smith? I would take no. Higby over Irv Smith. I would take Ian Thomas over him. I think Ian Thomas has a shot to be really good there in Carolina. So he'd be the only one. Yeah, I, I think I'd stick with Irv. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we had two comments. So I'll post those really quick and then we will get out of here. So Dark Sage on Twitch said, I am not sure what to think about the NFC North this year. My Bears had a decent draft, but we have two QBs who are going to battle with each other. The Packers, I think, can do well. But my surprise this year is the Vikings. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I think Nick Foles is going to end up being the starter for the Bears. I think the Vikings probably right now have the best chance to win that division. Do you guys agree with that? Unfortunately, I think so. You know, I I don't know why he left the Lions out of there. They have as good a (laughs) shot as anybody. That whole division is is a bunch of question marks. Um, But I I do think that the Vikings – Honestly, the Vikings probably have the most stable front office situation, mm-hmm. which has allowed an air of stability to build around that team. I know there's been a little bit of issues in the past couple of years uh, with Zimmer and the offensive coordinators. That's why they've brought in new people. But the team is talented. They've got veteran players. They've got some elite players in – uh, on their defense, and then with Dalvin Cook as well. Irv Smith, I think, is going to be an elite tight end. So I, I, I feel like Minnesota, I don't, I don't think you can call them a sleeper in that division, though. Uh, I, I don't know that you could call any one of them a sleeper. I think it's it's fairly evenly matched. I think you call the Bears a sleeper. I, I think they probably have yeah. the worst. You know, they've got, they definitely have the worst quarterback situation. And then this is more of just a statement. He says he also thinks that skeptical fans will be allowed in the arenas. Uh, arenas. I understand the NFL wants fans, but it's not viable right now. I agree with that. I, I also think the NFL can easily survive that. They make so much well, money off these TV contracts, they'll be yeah, fine. Their money is off of TV and marketing. Yeah. I think as long as they can televise the games, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost think that uh, if they don't have to allow fans in the stadium, they might make more money. Well, it's been made pretty clear that states like California and New York are probably not going to are not going to allow uh, any sporting events to run with fans yeah. for the remainder of 2020. And I think the NFL is really committed to everybody getting to play in their home stadiums. So, <clears throat> my thought is, we are certainly going to see games proceed without fans. Pay yeah. your 20 bucks and get your cardboard cutout in there. Not only that, yeah, man, or even if they come back. I'll be able to make it to a Browns game this year. I'm excited about that. Right. Um, and even if they come back, you might just see, you know, 50% or season ticket holders getting tickets I mean, for every other game. I'm not going to lie. I hope there's a way for them to make it happen. Obviously, me being here in Texas, things have not been quite as bad as other places. We've opened up a lot of stuff here. Brown's coming to ta- Dallas. Baker's already come out and said that he wants to win that game. It's Red River ri- Rivalry Week that week as well. Being the Oklahoma Sooner guy, he wants to come in here and beat the Cowboys. I would love to be at that game. Just rub it in everybody's face when Baker comes in here and destroys the Cowboys. So Hey, let's hope. 
Uh, I am hoping, but that'll do it for us today. We've got uh, Nick Whalen joining us from Dynasty Nerds on, on Thursday. Uh, great Debbie mind, great rookie prospect guy. Does a lot of the uh, breakdown videos with Jared Wackley and Garrett Price on Wednesday nights for the Dynasty Nerd streams. Does a great job there. We're going to have him on with us Thursday. Uh, and then we will jump back into breaking down the Bears and the Lions on next Monday's show. So everybody, thank you guys for joining us. And we will talk to you guys again on Thursday. Later. Take it easy. Yeah. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored.